One of the, uh, the I don't know, I, I, I found one of the interesting things about going through the book of Genesis the last couple years, especially this last year of going through 12 uh, to 50, and zeroing in on the, the patriarchs, right, and seeing the lives that they lived up close and personal. Uh, I don't know, I, you, you just kind of like, it, it puts, I guess, I felt like it put my life in perspective a little bit, right? You know, you know, some of the things that they endured and had to walk through, right? You know, like, you know, we get a little upset because we get emails that, you know, are trying to, you know, they're you know, deceptive and they're trying to, you know, get us to, you know, buy into something or call something so they can rip off our identity or something like that. I, you know, think about Jacob, right? I mean, his father-in-law, like, <laughs> twist, you know, does this little switch the last minute on his wedding night, right? And he ends up in bed the next morning next to <laughs> the sister of the woman that he wanted to marry, right? I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty bad. That, like, what do you do with that, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of rough, right? <laughs> Compared to, oh, I've got to deal with some emails. Yeah, it's not, neither one is good. But you know what I'm saying? It's just like, wow. Um, and, and, and then, you know, like, you know, I... My sister, I've talked about my sister before, you know, and she was rough, right? I mean, I love her now. She's amazing. Don't get me wrong. Okay. She's, you know, I give her, I tease her all the time, but anyway, but she, you know, she was rough to grow up with, right? I mean, she teased me like crazy. Like I, I, I it's painful. I mean, it was, it was, it was rough. And that's why I call her the evil wolf. And then I think about Joseph. Right? And his siblings, right? And he, well, like, you know, I mean, what if you sit down in heaven, like, you know, hey, Joseph, what's going on? Like, oh, yeah, I'll tell you about my horrible sister I had. Oh, my gosh. And Joseph's just like going, seriously, that, that's it? <laughs> like, I mean, they sold, my brother sold me into slavery. <laughs> right? I mean, and so this is this reality, right? You know, um, you know, we've got this bad boss at work. You know, we want to extend in the Old Testament, right? We've got this bad boss at work who just, you know, keeps just harassing us. Right, Laura? Where's Laura? Did she leave already? Yeah. Anyway, so she's, she's got a, Aaron, thank you for laughing. I appreciate that. Yeah, you got this bad ba boss you're working for. Well, you know, go talk to David. King David, yeah? Like, oh yeah, he's a real horrible boss. He just won't leave me alone. He's just treating me horrible all day long. And David's like, yeah, but did he ever throw a spear at you? Right? Did he ever try to pin you to the wall, right? Did he ever try to kill you, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the, this reality of uh, Old Testament individuals. Like, I mean, our life, I'm not saying that our life is not difficult. Right? I'm not saying that our life is not hard. But I think what I've found as I've gone through Genesis, and we're not in Genesis today, I know that, but we're starting there, and then going to launch in um, other places around the Bible. But I, the reality is, is that as we see these stories of real-life people who have endured real-life trouble in our world, it helps us to recognize, I guess maybe put into context our own struggle but also to see that, that they did it, that, that they lived out the life of faith that we desire to live. And when we recognize that the things that we are wrestling with today are kind of pale in comparison to what Old Testament prophets and leaders and kings and, and, and folks did in the Old Testament, what they had to endure, then we kind of go, wow, like, you know, that's amazing. Like, I can do it too. If they could survive, if God remained with them through their life of chaos and challenge and struggle, that God could remain with me. He could and will 
give me what I need. I can do it. I can make it through. I can survive. I can remain faithful. I can keep my eyes on Jesus. Right? And that's, that's the reality. We, we are living in a world right now of great distraction. And, it, and it's interesting, you know, I've found that, you know, recently the distractions have changed. Over the last five or ten years, as, as our culture has made this radical shift to humanistic perspectives and away from a biblical morality, there's been massive changes in our world, and the distractions have changed. The biggest distraction used to be for Christians in America is all of the wealth and the blessing of this world. That we would strive for those things. That, that we would want to have the big house. That we would want to have the nice cars. That we would want to have the, you know, the really good retirement account. That we would want to have all the toys, all the materialistic things in our world. That that, you know, we live in this country that's super wealthy. More wealthy than any country ever in the history of humanity, right? And, and so we would strive after things. We could get distracted by those things. When God would call us to give up, say a really house, a really great house, or a really great neighborhood, or a really great town that we love to live in. He called us to leave that. We're like, I don't know. You know, I mean, I can't, you can use me here, right? Right? We, we, we would see that and we kind of know that the temptation is, I want the comfort. I want what this world has. I want to hang here. But things have changed. And what I realized, uh, I've been realizing recently, is that over the last three or four years especially, the temptation, the, the, the distraction that is most evident now for us as Christians in America is not necessarily the wealth, it's still there, but it's the distraction of sin. The distraction of wanting, and this sounds weird, we're Christians, we, we love to fight, <laughs> you know, we love to, like, we want to we help with, we, with Jesus helps, we want to defeat sin. But the reality is, is that our attempts to destroy sin in our country are distracting us from Jesus. And so the amazing thing is, is that the distractions that used to draw us as Christians, that we had to fight against wealth, now we actually have to fight against the division we have to fight against the sin that's all around us. Fight against, yes, our own life falling into that, but we have to not give, in to, give it all of our attention. The, the distraction is to focus completely on the sins of our country and how horrible it is. I mean, I, just take the, the topic of abortion. Folks, it's horrible. It's ugly. It's, it's not God's will. But we can get distracted by abortion, and that becomes the only thing that we live to defeat. And so we actually have this interesting time in history where we have crossed over from being uh, 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 tempted by the wealth, and now we actually are being tempted by Satan and his sin and his destructive plans. But why do we do this as human beings? <laughs> Scripture tells us over and over again, the key is don't get distracted. Whether it's great wealth, whether it is great sin, we ignore both and we focus on Jesus. Amen. That Jesus is our hope. 
Jesus is the one who will give us the hand that we need, the help that we need, the discernment to know when to step into sin and deal with that, when to allow wealth to be able to enjoy that, but to do it with appropriate boundaries. He's the one we have to focus on. Jesus is the one who will not only take care of our provision, he will take care of our sin. Both the external sin and the internal sin. I preached a few weeks ago about, uh, about sin and forgiveness and repentance, that sin actually can become an idol that we begin to worship as Christians because we spend all of our time worrying about sin. May we let it go. Sin is no longer a divider between the Christian and God. Those who have given their life to Jesus as Lord, we are in perfect relationship with him. And the hope of any of our life transforming into any kind of righteousness or beauty in his eyes or anyone else's eyes is dependent on the work of Jesus. And so we focus on him. We give Jesus all of our attention because he's not just an example He's not just the one who lived out that perfect life for 30-some years, but he's also the one who's with us. He's working in us. He's empowering us. He is our help. He's the one that helps us to live out the faith that we long for. He's the one that helps us to live righteously. He's the one that helps us to be obedient. He's the one that is helping to found and perfect our faith. Amen? He is also our hope, the one who's interceding on our behalf, the one who sits at the right hand of the Father, saying, no, 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 that that one, he's, he's ours. He's the one that when we die, when we pass from this life to the next, the first face we will see is Jesus. Because he's the one who's there to grab our hand and to lift us out of the grave and to then introduce us to the great kingdom of God for all eternity. And he is our purpose. He's the reason that we live. He's the reason that we breathe. He's the reason. He's, his, his message is the message. He is the way. He is the one we point people to. He is the reason that we continue to live our life each day in hope, in help, but also in purpose to do his will. But living for Jesus, especially in our world today, is becoming increasingly more difficult. Not because following Jesus is harder, but because our world doesn't like people who follow Jesus as much. (laughs) The reality is, we as a church, as Christians in America, should expect that persecutions will continue. We've seen it already. We've seen the realities, how, 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 how the church and Christians are getting ostracized more and more, pushed to the outer edges, marginalized into the outer edges of culture. We're the ones that we see in media that are kind of crazy, that are a little bit out there, that have really, really dangerous ideas. We're the ones that are the, uh, that are the danger to our culture. 
We're the ones who are the one uh, who need to be watched out for, to be protected against. We're seeing this all over the place. Persecutions have already begun, but they will continue. In this reality, we go back to Jesus again and recognize what did Jesus do? He endured. He endured persecution. He endured the attacks of the evil one. He endured the attacks of people who he was actually going to die for. Jesus was persecuted above all, and he suffered, and he died due to the sins and the attacks of the evil one. I think we need to remember this again as we begin to enjoy persecution Just a couple of weeks ago, we prayed for the persecuted church here. About 20 of us are so gathered. And we have a list of 50 different countries around the world where persecution is real. In America, it's not anywhere close to the top 50. We're just beginning to see little pieces here and there. But look around the world. But more importantly, again, look to Jesus. What did he endure? But also understand, (laughs) Jesus bled and died That was the level of persecution that he endured. Church, has anyone bled yet for persecution? Have any one of us had to like, you know, give up our life for Jesus? We haven't suffered to that level yet. But may we be prepared to. May we begin to prepare for that. May we recognize that that is a reality that actually may become our reality. But in that, we are not discouraged. We don't get discouraged about persecution. You know, that's, that's kind of this, this, this weird situation we're in. As, you know, again, this is, we have to, the church has to somehow transition from being the church that is accepted and loved and appreciated by a nation to a church that is persecuted by a nation. We have to make that transition. See, we get so upset and so fired up about the country and the, and, and the people in our country and the, and the media bashing Christianity that we think the fix, again, be distracted, focus on the sin, destroy the sin, get back to where it was. But no, we need to give in and recognize this is a reality that we are living in, but we don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to, it's it's not giving up like I'm just sitting back apathetic and I have nothing. No, that's not what I mean by give up. What I mean is give up trying to fix this and instead allow Jesus to fix this. Continue to work in us and through us. The reality is, this is amazing. This is God's, uh, Jesus died, but it was the greatest day in the history of humanity. His death. Our suffering is not to be like uh, worried about or scared about or, or think that it's a horrible thing. Actually, the way that God works things out in his economy, our suffering is the conduit to our blessing. It is in our suffering that God is not only glorified, but that we are blessed The reality is is that, that Jesus is able to use the persecutions that come against us to develop us, to teach us, to to deepen our trust and faith in him. It is amazing what happens when we are persecuted and we endure it and we sit there and then we recognize 
the presence of God with us in that moment. Imagine the martyrs throughout history who have proclaimed the praises of Jesus while they burned. Imagine how can you do that because it's in the midst of that persecution that Jesus shows up in ways that we've never seen before and we are just transported into this amazing worship of him. God can use and does use the persecution against us to bring about maturity of our faith. And matter of fact, it's a sign that we are children of God. If we suffer, we should be proud because Jesus suffered too. And so we don't give up. We keep striving to live holy lives in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the sin that is all around us and the persecutions as it continues to rise. We live at peace with everyone. We seek to live without bitterness by forgiving those who have sinned against us. And we seek to live pure and holy lives. Truth is, God is holy. As a church... In America, oftentimes we skip over this truth that God is holy. I was reminded this week of Mount Sinai. Can you imagine being Moses and the Israelites at the foot of that mountain as it roared and trembled in fire? Can you imagine being in that space and that moment in time? You know, I remember one time when I was uh, hiking, I was out uh, actually on a canoe trip up in the middle of nowhere, out in the boonies, sitting next to a lake in a campground, and a storm came rolling through. Lightning strikes all over, and then finally one struck in camp. Probably, I, I don't know exactly where it's, one of the trees, but it was like within 20 feet of me. And I don't know if you've ever been that close to a lightning bolt before. But if you have, you know what I experienced. I couldn't stop shaking. The, loud, the, the sound, the rumble was so loud that I tried to cover my ears, but it was just, it, that didn't help much. And the brightness of that, I mean, it was nighttime. <laughs> and this bolt of lightning comes out, and it's so bright that it burned my eyes. Like, I'm like, ah, you know, and I'm so I'm trying, how do I cover my eyes? Come, what do I? And I shook, literally, for 10 or 15 minutes afterwards. Can you imagine sitting, standing at the base of Mount Sinai as it's engulfed in flames and trembling? Do we understand the holiness of God? Do we understand that God is holy? That he's that kind of holy, that kind of holy that does strike fear in our hearts. And not just the kind of like, oh, I really respect you, but oh my gosh, you could just destroy me right now. My life is just this little blink. I got nothing. I got nothing to offer, Jesus. You are too big. You're too massive. You're too holy. You're too awesome. You're too powerful. I can't, I can't even believe that you're even close to me in any way. Why haven't you wiped me out before? Why now? Why do you allow me to even have any kind of voice into your world? Why do you even speak into my world? Do we understand the holiness of God? See, the reality is in our world is our world thinks that it is God. 
and it, it goes around and beats its, its, its you know, shields, right, and, and, and pounds the ground and tries to make all of this show, like, you need to follow our ways, you need to do it our way, you need to, to, to get in line. It tries to bully us. It tries to shake our world. But there is only one who can truly shake the foundations of the earth and the heavens. Right? Who do we fear? Do we fear God who is holy? Do we fear the one who can and is in the midst of shaking our world right now? You see, we, we look at this, we look at our country and we look around the world and we look at the pandemic, we look at all the stuff that's going on, all the changes that have happened, all the chaos that's going on, all the division, and we think, oh my gosh, Satan is creating all of this crazy trouble for the world. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. No, no, no. Can we stop giving credit to Satan and instead recognize that God is sovereign? He is the one who shakes the foundation of the earth. The reason things are so disrupted right now is because God is beginning to shake things. He's beginning to bring about this, re this reckoning, this reality that, look, you cannot trust this world. You cannot trust what you think you know. You can only trust me. I'm the only one that's not shaking. I'm the only firm foundation. You've got to let go of this world. Let go of your ideas. Let go of your sin. Let go of the wealth and just see me. Cling to God who is holy. Cling to the one who can destroy both body and soul, not just the one that can threaten the body and through persecution or whatever it may be. And when we understand the holiness of God, then we cannot help but worship him. We cannot help but fall at his feet in terror, but in joy. That he is, a, he is a God who doesn't destroy us. He's a God who lifts us up. He is holy. And he alone is worthy of our worship. Do we recognize that? How much of our life is zeroed in on this world? How much of our life is zeroed in on the things of this world? How much of our life is zeroed in on wealth? How much of our life is zeroed in on the sin and the stuff that's going on and trying to defeat that? How much of our life is distracted? Every time we give our attention to these other things, we pull our attention from the one who deserves it, who's worthy of it. Let us be worshipers because the kingdom that we have received is unshakable. While God shakes the foundations of the heavens and the earth, for those of us who are in the kingdom of God, those who are, who are focused on Jesus, those of us who are one of his children, we are not shaken. We are not moved we have a firm foundation. So let us bow and worship. Not just with our voices, but with our entire bodies. All of our life.
Some of you are disturbed by this message. Maybe because of the realities of persecution and the, the sign of the times that we're in. Maybe you're just disturbed because I've been yelling at you. <laughs> Others of you are disturbed for a, another reason, and that is because I have not yet read one passage of Scripture. <clears throat> so let's do so now. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for your discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all of have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the fathers of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplined us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which one, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it be, may become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. <laughs> Who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet. Oh, man, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. 
For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Worship team, why don't you come up? Let us worship the one true and holy God. Let us endure the persecutions that will come and have come. And let us remain focused on Jesus. And if we do these things, the great cloud of witnesses that remind us of these truths and encourage us. <laughs> if we do these things, we become part of that great cloud of witness. And our children and our children's children will look upon our lives long after we've passed from this world to the next. And they'll think about the troubles that they're enduring and they'll go, oh, yeah, remember when grandpa, remember when great grandpa, he's telling that story about how he was struggling that one time and the world was all against him and persecutions were coming. Right? All right. Church, let's stand and respond to the Lord in a couple of songs here. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us in these uh, dark days, the challenging times that we live in. Lord, this is not new. <laughs> Something that's happened over and over again throughout history. So, Lord, in the midst of it, help us not to get distracted by the evil that's all around us. Help us to keep our eyes on you, Lord. Continue to focus on Jesus. You're the one. You're the one we have hope in. You're our help. You're the one that's there for us and going to bring transition and change and direction. And Lord, help us to endure. There's just no, no uh, other way to put it. We need to endure as well. This life is hard. It's challenging. But Lord, you're in that as well. 
You're, in your economy, you use the challenging and the difficult and the persecutions of the world to actually bring about faith and maturity and beautiful things. Lord, we thank you, too, that you are sovereign and you are holy. And that bowing our knee in humble worship of you is worth it because you are worthy and you're the one that matters. Second Corinthians 4. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not shaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Thank you, church. If you'd like prayer, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you this morning. Need encouragement in this time. Maybe life is chaotic right now. Come forward. We'd love to pray for you. Also, hope to see you tonight, 630. Blessings. Have a great day.